Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, well, so good to be with everyone. Everyone okay? Amazing. Welcome. If you're watching online, welcome, welcome. My name is Tim Hughes and with my wife, Rachel, we're the lead pastors here. And we're so excited for Baptism Sunday. We've got the jacuzzi slash hot tub ready. We've been in the middle of a series called Jesus Over Everything. And today we're pulling that series together, looking at Jesus over identity. And when I was in my early 20s, I had the privilege of working for an amazing organisation called Soul Survivor. It was a youth organisation. I don't know how many have ever been to Soul Survivor over the years. Yeah, lots of you. And uh, Soul Survivor, for those who don't know, every summer in the month of August, about 30,000 young people would gather together in a field in Somerset for like worship and teaching and creativity and fun. And it was led by this amazing visionary leader called Mike Pilavachi. And I had the honour of being a part of that and leading worship. And throughout the year, actually, I'd often go and lead worship at different events. And an invite came in for a worship leader to go and lead at this big event in London in the Excel Centre. It was a prayer night, 20,000 people gathered. And so I was sent to lead worship. So we prepared, got ready. And as we're about to step onto the stage to lead worship, the guy who was comparing and hosting this large event got up and he said, we are so honoured to have this next guest come and lead worship. This man is an incredible, phenomenal leader. And I'm on the side of the stage going, oh, no, no, no. Yes, 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 yes. He carried on. I can't think of anyone else who's impacted more young people's lives than our next guest. And I'm thinking, well, I like to think I've encouraged a few young people along the way, but I'm sure there are others who've done a lot more than me. But he he kept going. This man is one of the most influential gifted Christian leaders in our nation. And at this time, I thought, please stop it. No, no. Yes, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then he said, let's put our hands together for the one, the only, Mike Pilavachi. And I was like, oh no. They had put in an invite for what they thought was the leader of Soul Survivor, Mike Pilavachi. The Soul Survivor office thought they wanted a worship leader, so they sort of sent me off to lead worship. So the crowd are going crazy. And I know full well, Mike is at home watching reruns of West Wing. And I step up in front of all of these people and say, hi there, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not actually Mike Pilavachi. My name is Tim Hughes, and it's a real honour to come and lead worship with you. And like, Tumbleweed, silence, palpable disappointment, a horrible case of mistaken identity. I wish I could say I'm exaggerating this story, but I really am not. It was awful. It was so humiliating. We are living at a time where identity is so confused and so challenged. Many talk about an identity crisis where people are left unsure 
about their place in the world, their very sense of self. And this identity crisis, this instability can lead to so many feeling depressed, anxious, exacerbate severe mental health issues. And one of the challenges is how do we find a sense of anchoring and identity? So many different places we can find our sense of home and some it's in a sense of our career, profession. Others it's maybe a stage of life. Perhaps it's where you fit within the class system if you hold on to that still or maybe it's on your political views. For some, it's maybe finding identity in our gender, of which now we're told that there are 76 different types of gender. Or maybe in your sexual orientation, again, many talk about there being 26, 29 different types of sexual orientation. Perhaps it's in your race and ethnicity. Maybe it's in your nationality. There are so many places where we can try and find a sense of identity. I was talking to a friend last week who moved to the UK from another nation a number of years ago and he said, I find it so hard because everyone just assumes I'm like them, but I'm not. I grew up in a different continent, in a different culture and that creates this sense of crisis at times within me. The world is incredibly complex, so interconnected And many, many people are struggling to find their sense of worth. Questions like, who am I? Where do I belong? What is my purpose? Well, today as we celebrate all these people getting baptised, we're going to look at a moment in Mark's Gospel where Jesus is baptised and His identity is affirmed and celebrated. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. It's going to come up on the screen if you want to read along with me. It says this, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He is with the wild animals and angels attended him. We glimpse this remarkable scene where Jesus is baptised by his cousin, John the Baptist. And Jesus lived a perfect life, sinless, And so he didn't need to be baptised to celebrate his moving from death to life, but he got baptised so that he could identify with humanity. He could identify with those that he had come to save, you and I. And in this moment, we see the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending like a dove. At the time of Mark writing this gospel, the, the image or the association of the Spirit of God and a dove was incredibly rare. In fact, only one other place in Jewish writing was the Spirit of God ever described like being a dove. And that was in the the Targum, which was the Aramaic translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. In the Genesis 1 creation account, we, we read, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That verb to hover is is translated as flutter 
It's this beautiful picture of the Spirit of God fluttering over the surface of the earth, being a part of this creation narrative of seeing it come into being, sky, sea, vegetation, land, animals, human beings, just incredible, credible account. And, and rabbis translating that scripture in Genesis 1, in the Targum, they, they described it like this. And the earth was without form and empty and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God fluttered above the face of the waters like a dove and God spoke, let there be light. In this creation account, we see the Godhead all present and active. God Almighty is there. God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Word, God's Word is there calling creation into being. Let there be light. And God the Spirit descending like a dove. And Mark, who's writing this gospel, is making a really important and significant point. He's reminding the people of Israel, the Jewish people, that in the same way as God was present and active in creation, God The Trinity is now present and active in this moment where Jesus is being baptised. God the Father speaking affirmation over Jesus Christ and God the Spirit descending like a dove. And it's this moment that's saying, we are now part of a new creation. Jesus Christ has come to rescue, to save and to restore. He's come to redeem all things, to make everything right again. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom has come and darkness is gonna be defeated and His glorious marvellous light is going to be ushered in in a way that's going to transform history forever and a day. We're being reminded that this is a significant moment. And as we baptise, for all of those who are getting baptised, you can know that in the same way, God the Father, God the Son and God the Spirit are present, that you're being wrapped up, called into this new adventure, that your life isn't just simply about existing, you know, coasting through, trying to earn enough money to pay your rent, trying to have a few little friends and go out for the odd meal here or there. No, no, God has called you for a plan and a purpose to be a part of the renewal of all things, the redeeming, restoring, Restoring story, which is about complete and utter transformation. You are now part of the most incredible adventure known to humankind. We're all a part of this story. We're all a part of this story. And so as Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens are torn open and we hear this voice boom from the heavens. You are my son. So I'm getting a bit Darth Vader there. Luke, I am your father. He says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Again, I think it's incredibly significant and important. This is not a mistake that it is before Jesus has accomplished anything of worth in terms of the eyes of human beings, before he'd stepped up to heal, perform signs and wonders, before he'd preached sermons that grew a crowd of over 5,000 people, before he'd boldly, courageously stood against the religious leaders at the time, before he'd done anything of worth in the eyes of other human beings, God the Father celebrates him. You're my son, I love you. With you, I'm well Please, Jesus hasn't accomplished anything in the eyes of the world, but yet the Father is rejoicing over him. Jesus lived his life knowing that he was loved. 
He didn't live his life trying to earn love. His ministry was outworked from a deep place of acceptance rather than ministering, trying to achieve and earn acceptance. Because how many of us kill ourselves trying to fit in? How many of us strive to impress if, if, if I can impress that person and get that affirmation, then I'll feel good about myself. If I can have that breakthrough, if I can you know, be recognised for this, if someone would just say that over me, then oh, this striving will cease. We live by this equation that earthly achievement equals acceptance and love. And when we live by that equation... This wrestle just continues within us. We strive, we have to try harder to earn the affirmation, to find our sense of identity. And as we go on the journey, you know, you get one breakthrough, but there's someone who's earning more money than you, or better looking than you, or is promoted above you. And, ah, and we try harder and harder and we feel worse and worse about ourselves. And this vicious cycle, we get trapped up in and it begins to kill us and destroy us and consume us. God is here by His Spirit. He wants to break into that cycle in the way that the heavens were torn and the Spirit descended. God wants to step into your life and say, stop striving and receive this gift of love and affirmation of acceptance of worth. Some of you here, and you're thinking, if only my boss only my boss would recognise how incredible I am, that I am the secret weapon of this organisation. You know, that they should be promoting me and I should be on a much higher salary. And if only they tell the other colleagues that, you know, I'm holding them, I'm carrying them, I'm, I'm the one driving this forward. If they would celebrate me, then oh, I'd feel good about myself. Then I wouldn't have to work crazy hours just to try and fit in and achieve something. You know what the Bible says about your boss? In Psalm 144, it says, Man is but a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Another place in Scripture, life is described as a vapour, a mist. <laughs> Don't want to break it to you, you know, all this kind of self-help, big yourself up. But in the eyes of eternity, this is your life. Watch it. So when you're killing yourself to impress your boss, remember your boss is just a... <laughs> uh, others, maybe, maybe there's some guys here, it's like, if only that girl would recognise how hot I am. You know, that I am like prime husband material. You know, I could look after her and she, why wouldn't she notice me? If she would notice me and she would fall for me, then I'd feel great about myself. You know, then I'd look in the mirror and kind of won't have to suck it in and I'd just be like all over it. But some of you need to remember that girl you're trying to impress. For others, it's... There's a significant other in your life, whether it's a parental figure or a mentor or a partner, where their words just mean so much, perhaps in an unhealthy way, that your sense of identity is completely wrapped up in them. Maybe something they've said or haven't said, and it's killing you. 
You need to remember that person is but a breath, a passing shadow. Now, I'm not meaning to demean these important relationships in our life, these significant people in our lives. It can cause great hurt. And of course, God has called us to be a community where we celebrate one another. And I suggest you don't go into work tomorrow and say to your boss, I don't care what you think because you are. (laughs) Not sure that would go down well. But what I want to say is this. Here is the good news. Here is the stop the press moment. God Almighty, who is from everlasting to everlasting, the God who was and is and is to come, the only one who is not simply a breath, a vapour, a passing shadow, the eternal God. He says over you, you are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. If we would tune into that voice, that message, if we would find our sense of worth and identity there, we'd be freed up. If my boss celebrates me, absolutely should. Brilliant. If he criticises me, that's okay. I can learn. I can grow. If that girl falls for me or not, doesn't matter because God has chosen me. He's called me. He's rescued me. He's welcomed me into the family of God. My identity is in Him, not in what anyone else on planet Earth thinks about me. Think of the bold, courageous lives we can live. Think of the amount of time we'll stop wasting over what others think when we recognise that God loves us, is for us and is pleased with us. Our identity is found not in what we do, but in who we belong to. And we need to be awake. We need to understand what God thinks about us. There's this remarkable verse in Zephaniah 3.17. This, for many, I think, will completely shatter your understanding of God. It says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I think many Perhaps you've not been to church before, maybe grew up in chapel or been somewhere else to church. And your view of God is this kind of harsh, judgmental, angry, permanently disappointed, kind of head teacher type figure. The Bible tells us that God delights in you. In fact, he's so crazy about you. He rejoices over you with singing. Imagine in a fatherless generation, in a world that is so craving for love and acceptance, we'll do crazy things to find it. We could tune into those overtures of love of a father, the creator of the heavens and earth, just singing and celebrating over us. That is the hope of the world, to hear that melodious song. I was reading about a tribe in Namibia. And when a woman is pregnant, she will go off and she will write a song over the baby that's being formed in her womb to try and understand what is this baby going to be like? What do I want to sing over this baby and their identity? She'll then write the song and then she'll teach some of the other women in the village and some of the midwives this song. So literally when the baby is being born, this song is being sung over them, a unique, precious song distinct just to them. And then as the child grows up, 
uh, the key significant moments in their lives, whether it's starting school or um, puberty or they're getting married, the community will sing their song over them. I was reading, I, I love it. If, if a child or this person committed a, a crime or did something wrong, rather than punishing them and pushing them away from the village, they would gather around them and they'd sing their song over them. I was reading, it said this, they view correction not as a punishment, but as love and a remembrance of identity. For when you recognise your own song, you have no desire or need to do anything that would hurt another. So profound. And then beautifully, when that person is about to die, the village will gather around them one last time and sing their song of identity over them. It's just a stunning image of a community celebrating someone and reminding them of who they are. Well, even more amazing than a a village or a community or a people singing a song over us, God the Father, who was and is and is to come, sings over you, celebrates you. And as we look at Jesus' baptism and this moment where he is so publicly affirmed, his identity is validated. We can know that in the same way God the Father does that over us. For all those who are getting baptised today, we might not quite be able to hear it, but the Father is singing over you, celebrating you. I love what the theologian N.T. Wright says. The whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point, that when the living God looks at us, And every baptised and believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. You are my child whom I love. With you I am well pleased. As I begin to close, what fascinates me is that as Jesus' identity is so publicly celebrated, the next thing that happens is he is led into the desert, into the wilderness, where he's surrounded by the wild animals, where he's tempted by Satan, by the enemy. And what is it that Satan goes after? It's his identity. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If You are the Son of God. The Father is just publicly from the heavens declared it. I mean, that's an amazing moment of affirmation. But straight away, if, are you sure? Is that where you're from? Is that who you are? Is that your identity? And we need to recognise the reason God wants to affirm our identity. The reason I believe there is such chaos and crisis around identity. You know, identity theft in terms of scamming is one thing, but there's a deeper, darker identity theft happening amongst the church today where the Satan is coming and he's trying to distract and pull us away from our identity. We need to be affirmed in our identity so that, not that we need to be protected from the world, so that we can be propelled and prepared to cope and stand strong in the midst of a chaotic world. Jesus' identity was affirmed in his baptism, not to keep him from the world because he was about to be sent out into a dark, hurting world where he would be tempted in every way. And as he's in that desert, as his identity is being challenged 
and questioned as he's having to think it all through. He holds firm to this moment where the Spirit came upon me. The Father celebrated his love for me. He began to remind himself Actually, his identity was found in God. You know, for us today, we need to know where our identity is found. Stop looking in the wrong places. Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher, said, not only do we know God through Jesus Christ, we only know ourselves through Jesus Christ. We only know ourselves through Jesus Christ. I want to say this is a very bold thing to say. And there are many here maybe who don't, you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And until you choose to put your faith in Him, you'll never really know who you are. Because we've been created by God for relationship with God. And it's out of that relationship we understand our purpose here on earth. And it's understanding Jesus' view of us that we live bold, extravagant lives. And so in that desert place, 40 days, 40 nights where Jesus is tempted, he would have remembered that, those words of the Father. But what strikes me as interesting is he also relied so heavenly on the Word of God, the Scriptures. That's why, again, I think Satan, the enemy, is, is trying to make this book less and less relevant in the church today. We question its place, its authority. Without this, We're a ship at sea without an anchor. And when Jesus was being tempted, it was wonderful to remember those words, but He needed something more than just those words of the Father. He would reply to Satan and He'd say, it is written. You might say this about me, but it is written. You might tempt me that I can find my worth outside of God, but no, 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 no. It is written. And for so many of us, when there are moments where you feel weak, You feel like you're nothing. You feel like you're an imposter. You don't feel you've got what it takes. You need to hold this book up. You need to get these words in your heart and you can say to a culture that's trying to drag you down, it is written that in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. When you stand in front of a mirror and you think, I'm ugly, I'm nothing, When someone maybe said over you, you were a mistake. It is written. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was knit together in the inmost being in my mother's womb. When you feel overwhelmed, when those voices come into your mind saying, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? Setting up that charity stepping out into that, sharing your faith in that way, choosing to take a stand. Who are you? It is written. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. We are a people of the Spirit, but we have to be a people of the Word. And God is forming, securing our identity so that we can live bold, expansive lives. The world will try and squeeze us into a mould. The world will say, this is how you fit in. And look at what's happening. There's more and more confusion and chaos. But we can know I'm loved. I'm chosen. I don't need the praises of man. 
to be secure in who I am. Easy to say, but if we lived our lives like that, I don't need the empty praises of humankind to validate me. Yeah, it's nice. I love it when I'm affirmed. But actually, I've got everything I need in God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. I end with this. I was talking to a friend a few days ago. He's not a Christian. Very, very successful. And we were talking about him finding a sense of validation and how different things over his lives had completely knocked him off course, completely caused this crisis of confidence. We were talking really about identity. And I said to him, how do you find a sense of identity? I was thinking about this talk I'm preparing. He tried to give me a whole bunch of answers about, you know, forgiving self, loving self, striving to find positive things to focus on. And, you know, some good practical things. But as he was sharing, I was thinking, gosh, that's a lot of hard work for you. Basically, it's balls in your court. It's all about what you can do with these feelings within yourself. But the amazing reality of the Christian faith is that it is a gift. You don't need to kill yourself to find a place to fit in in this world. You can receive this everlasting, eternal love, this security, this sense of belonging and welcome regardless of what might happen to you here on planet Earth, that you are loved, you are chosen, you're accepted, you're believed in that with Jesus Christ, you can do all things at the same power that lives in Jesus Christ, lives in you, that you can step out and live a bold life. And it's available to each and every one of us. So if you're a non-Christian here, you haven't yet decided to follow Jesus Christ, the end of our gathering, we're gonna give you an opportunity. You thought you came here to watch someone get baptised or dragged along. You could step out here thinking, oh my goodness, I get it. This is what I was put on earth for. I, I can have all of this love, this family, this sense of clarity and purpose in a chaotic world. And in a while, we're also going to pray for those, so many people, followers of Jesus Christ, and yet you're living in chains. You're trying to find your identity in all the wrong places. Stop looking around. Start looking up. Start looking up. So Lord Jesus, we thank You. We thank You that everything You did when You walked on the earth was so that we could enjoy those benefits as well. When you were affirmed publicly at your baptism. That wasn't just a moment for you, but we can know that same unbelievable reality that we're loved, delighted in, that God the Father is pleased with us, not because of our efforts, not because all that we tried to do, but because you made a way for us. You died on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven, so that when the Father looks at us, He sees your love, your righteousness, your sacrifice. And He says, you're my son, you're my daughter. Come, you're part of this family. Lord, I pray that you would teach us what it means to put our trust and hope in you. Again, throughout this whole talk, I've just had this picture of a, a ship being tossed around in the waves. So many of us are living our lives tossed around in these waves and God wants to bring an anchor so that our future, our hope is secure in Him. 
I pray that you'd break chains of us that are holding us back. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.